Our second lesson today comes from the first letter of Paul to Timothy. I'm reading from the sixth chapter, words of encouragement, beginning with verse 11 and down through verse 16. Listen, keep listening for God's word. But as for you, man of God, shun all this, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you were made, for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses, in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. It is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. The word of the Lord. I wonder how many of you have seen the movie Argo. Argo takes us back in time. Back to the dark days of the Iranian revolution and the Iranian hostage crisis. It was November 4th, 1979 when the Iranian revolution reached its boiling point and militants jumped the fence of the American embassy, rammed through the barricaded doors and stormed in. 52 Americans were taken hostage and held from 1979 all the way to the early days of 1981. In the midst of that chaos... Six Americans managed to slip away and find refuge in the home of the Canadian ambassador in Tehran. Knowing it was only a matter of time before the six were discovered and likely killed, the CIA worked out an exfiltration, a plan to get the six Americans out of danger and out of Iran. Argo is a movie based on the real Life covert operation led by CIA specialist Tony Mendez, played by Ben Affleck. Now, the movie is riveting in its drama and its energy and its purpose. There's enough truth to the story to give us a history lesson about a time we should not forget. And there is enough excitement to the movie that makes it one of the best films of the year, especially if you like movies with drama and intensity and excitement. One of the underlying themes of this movie involves how we balance fear and how fear often has to be juggled with the circumstances where we find ourselves. For example, the six Americans who found refuge in the Canadian ambassador's house, had been isolated, hiding inside for weeks while Iran was blanketed by violence and uncertainty. The CIA agent with the plan to get them out was not someone they knew. 
not someone they trusted. His plan was, quite frankly, crazy. They were all supposed to pretend that they were a Canadian movie production team and convince the Iranian officials that they could leave Iran. This was not just a plan. This was life and death. This was not just the best bad idea that had come up, as they talk about in the movie. This was walking a fine line between freedom and public execution. You have to go see the movie yourself, but fear is overcome by people working together. The most fearful in the mix among the six isolated Americans in the Canadian's house, the most fearful of those became actually the most helpful. So one of the themes of the movie is this. When we work together, when we stay focused, we have the best chance of finding our way. In the early days of the Christian church, especially in the letters of Timothy, this is a prominent message. Fear is real. Life is full of dangers. Life is full of problems for all of us, particularly those in the early church. But God is real. And when Christians stay focused on God and on God's promises and on God's presence, when Christians worship and work together, then God's purposes are served and God's kingdom emerges further. Our passage today remains a nice summary of Paul's letter to Timothy, the first letter to Timothy. It's about faithfulness and life amidst life's challenges. And he says in our passage, but you, man of God, speaking to Timothy, but speaking to all of us, pursue righteousness, faith, godliness, love, endurance, and gentleness. Stay focused, in other words. Do not let fear take hold, but work together and take hold of eternal life. That's his message. In fact, the verbs in this passage catch my attention. Pursue. Pursue is a very active verb. It is to chase. It is to seek to accomplish. It is to engage. You can't pursue and sit around worried about what's going to happen to you next. You cannot... uh, Pursue without stepping up and moving forward and finding a way with intentionality and activity. In the movie Argo, Mendez, the CIA agent, spent lots of energy trying to rally the frightened Americans, the six of them, to trust him and to pursue their goal. In the scriptures, Paul, the apostle, spends lots of energy trying to rally courage and set a focus for faithfulness, and he does that in big ways with Timothy. He says, pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and endurance and pursue gentleness. He urges fight. That's the next verb. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of, grab onto 
eternal life to which you've been called. It's about focus. It's about activity. It's about working together and living out life as God's committed people. That's what it's about. One of the best theologians around, Stanley Hauerwas, says something that has made a lot of sense to me. He says, as God's people, we should all live in a way that is unintelligible if God does not exist. As faithful people, as disciples of Jesus, we should live in a way that only makes sense because God is God and God is real and because God is present and God is at work in ways that we can't imagine or anticipate. Our lives are to be so focused on God and God's work that they are otherwise unintelligible. That, I think, is at the core of the text for today from 1 Timothy. We're to live with such vitality, such pursuing, such chasing of righteousness and godliness and love and gentleness and all the other important things. We're to truly take hold of the eternal life which, to which we've been called Our lives are to be so grounded in God. We're to live a certain way, whether we're celebrating or whether we're facing new news that we have cancer, whether we are younger or older, whether we are rejoicing about some particular circumstance in this season of life or dealing with some new news or really heavy heartache. We are to live in a way that is unintelligible except for our faith in God. With fortitude, working together, focused on God, focused on God's presence and God's possibilities, we live in a way that is unintelligible if God does not exist. This is about our personal lives It's also about our common life together at Second Presbyterian Church. We live in a way in this community that is so focused with faith and fortitude that it is unintelligible if God does not exist. We're here today, this Sunday, one week ahead of next Sunday where we are calling it Stewardship Dedication Sunday. Next week, as a part of our worship, we're going to have our pledge cards or our commitment cards about the level of financial giving that we're offering to God through this church so that we can do God's work in this place. I sincerely hope and pray that as you and your family give careful thought to your commitments, to your devotion, to your pledge, that it will embody the kind of strong, active verbs of this passage In Timothy, I hope that your pledge will look unintelligible, except that you're showing your faith and your trust in God. This is important. It's important because of two main reasons in this season of life together. First, across the recent years, which, as we all know, have been difficult years for our economy and for many of us personally, Our church budget across all these years has remained essentially flat. That means we have had to make reductions in our budget in some areas, trying to do more with less, 
while other areas of the budget have had to increase. For example, utilities and regular maintenance costs for these terrific buildings are only going up. Certain expenses like health care are out of our control. That means that we have pared down Christian education cost. We have not grown our mission and outreach budget like we have wanted to do. We have held back on personnel cost and avoided doing everything but the bare essentials in the improvements to our property and our buildings. So we have cut corners and we have been good stewards and we thank God for the faithful work that we have carried on here. We are a light in this city and we are a light across the globe. But it has been more about preserving than pursuing. It has been more about caution than commitment. It has been more about hesitation than our haste in serving God. And God calls us to turn that around. God calls us to pursue with godliness and faith and endurance and love, to take hold, to fight the good fight of faith, to God be all honor and glory, dominion forever, Paul says in Timothy. Second, as we approach our pledges and as we approach our commitments with this kind of activity and pursuing and taking hold of eternal life that Paul urges, imagine what we might do. Imagine. You probably know that we have a long commitment to the needy in Richmond. We had a program about it this morning in the dining room during Sunday school. We have a long history of serving homeless from our streets every Monday. We've been doing that for three decades. But Mission Council keeps wanting to expand and address larger hunger issues because this is what God asks of us, not just feed the people who walk into our building, but those who need the support of, say, Feed More, which tries to address hunger across the whole region. We want to give more to other programs that help the needy, like Daily Planet, who was visiting with us today, and others. It's all about commitment, our own commitment, and our church's commitment to serve God. You probably know that we keep sending tutors every week to Chimborazo Elementary School in Church Hill, and we support the prison visitation project that is housed in the Virginia building and has been working a long time. You probably know that we offer counsel to traumatized police officers, and we provide scholarships to lots of kids in our child care center that meets in our basement But cautious giving, as opposed to vigorous, committed giving, keeps all of these flat. We have been flat in our giving to partnerships across the Presbyterian Church USA. We have been flat in our giving to our partnerships in Guatemala and Malawi. God calls us to turn that around. God calls us, remember, to pursue. You probably heard about the emerging ministry to college students in this downtown region that takes place in our building. Uh, Shannon Waite spoke during last week's worship about Presbyterian Collegiate Fellowship, but that operates on a shoestring budget with a very part-time staff with minimal program dollars. What could it look like? What major impact could it have if we really pursued it, if we rallied Presbyterians from across the region to support this project? 
it could make a lasting difference in lives, in community, in the city, in the world. We have great worship in this congregation and wonderful music here. We even have a new Wednesday worship service every single week, but we have had no increases in the worship budget for nearly five years. What would it look like if we hadn't been pinching our worship budget? We have kids like Joseph Gallagher who spoke this morning and many of them whose lives continue to be transformed here. How much more could we affect the lives of children and young people in our midst if we were not continually cutting back on Christian ed and membership council efforts? These things don't cost a great deal compared to other things that we're trying to do, but they have been sacrificed and held back in recent years in order to make the budget balance. All of this is to say we have been, first of all, flat in our budget and limited in what we've been doing, driven by preserving rather than pursuing caution instead of commitment. We've done some things well, but God keeps calling us to do more, to be a really bright light in this place. And second, how much could we do if we really pursued, really chased after, really took hold of the eternal life that God has called us to and serve God with more focus and faithfulness together? How about it? Here's another way to look at it, to think about this. Whenever we come into this place, we gather for worship. Whenever we do that, whenever we meet in our chapel or wander through the halls and sit in classes in our building. We're seeking to be formed in faith and discipleship. That's what we're about here. God wants us formed in a life with God. God wants us formed in a life for God. And God wants us formed for a life that only makes sense in light of God. Timothy urges us, fight the good fight. Take hold of eternal life to which you've been called, for which you, were, you have made the confession. We live in the presence of God always, and God has intentions and purposes and plans for all of us, and they're greater than we can imagine. We are to live with passion and faithfulness, to pursue, to chase after, with zeal, Endurance with conviction and devotion, with courage and hope, no matter what, this is our calling. So bounded by God's love, lives for Christ our Lord, may God shape us and focus us so that our lives indeed appear unintelligible except for God who exists and rules and reigns forever. On our own, we can't do much, but together, with faith and fortitude, with care and commitment, we can make a real difference, changing lives, serving God in this city and across the globe. May we go there together. To God's name, glory, and honor be praised. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. You give us life, O God. You go with us in the way of life. We seek to follow Christ our Lord. Amen.